If you um, have your notes handy, why don't you go ahead and get those out. Um, well, yesterday I, I made, or last night I should say, I made a, a big deal about, you know, how the Holy Spirit um, is a person. Um, and, yeah, I made a big deal about that. And then uh, afterwards, uh, a few different people, very graciously, I might add, pointed out that I referred to the Holy Spirit several times as it and not he, which I was really embarrassing for me because um, I made such a big deal of saying, let's not refer to the Holy Spirit in impersonal terms. And I proceeded to go on and talk about the Holy Spirit in an impersonal term, which is a lesson for all of us, just how much we need to grow in this area. So I did that for you. So anyway, we, I made a deal with the elders that if I, um, if I refer to the Holy Spirit as it, I will wear a dress tomorrow. And if, if, if I succeed, they all have to wear dresses. And so... And then I reneged, and uh, just, I don't know, I'm just not, just not yet there. Um, okay, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about a couple, last night we talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit, how He uh, is in us, and today I want to hit um, how He is with us and upon us, and I'm going with the handheld Mike today, because it's about to get Pentecostal up in here, so. <laughs> Tap three people and say it's coming. <laughs> Seriously, come on, let's do it. Okay, so, the Holy Spirit, the, did I do that again? Okay, now listen, listen. No, I already, I, already, I already reneged, all right? So here's the deal. We can do this the, the long way or the right way. And if all is going to be in your mind is pointing out my mistakes, then nobody's going to get anywhere, all right? Jeez. I regret it all. The Holy Spirit is with me. I don't know about with you. That's my point. Um, okay, Holy Spirit is with you. Now, this is huge. Um, the, the Christian claim is, is amazing. We, we claim that God's presence is with us. That's the Christian claim. And, and that really is what defines uh, who we are, and, and there is a sense to where the Holy Spirit is with us as individuals, and, and that's very much true, and, and that's a reality. He is our helper. Um, Jesus says, you know, I'll be with you to the end of the age, and I'll, I'll be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the Holy Spirit is with us individually, but I think the really cool thing about this is this is where we kind of uh, dovetail into being a, not just a spirit-filled individual, but we're talking about being a spirit-filled people, about being the community of God's presence. And that was the thing for, uh, as you read through the Bible, you know, God's presence being with us. And, and that's his great desire. 
you know, in the garden, he was after relationship and he got rebellion from us because he, uh, he wanted to be with us. And, and that was the deal all the way through. As you read through the Old Testament, on into the new and to the end of the book, Revelation 21, we see this new city and we see that, that God is with his people and we are with him. And, and that's a big deal. And it's such a big deal. And Moses, this is the big thing for Moses. And in fact, in Exodus um, uh, 33, just read that real quick. His big thing was like, God, don't take, first of all, God promised to, promises to him, hey, I'm gonna, my presence is going to be with you. And then Moses is like, okay, cool, uh, but just make sure your presence is with us. And God's like, is there an echo in the room? Because I think I just said that. And that's paraphrased. But this is what he really says. He says, in my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, I do not bring us uh, up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I your people? Is it not your going with us that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. What distinguishes us as believers isn't, our, isn't even so much our creeds and our behaviors, but what is distinct about us as believers is that God's presence is among us. It's huge. This is, this is something we're really wanting to go after. When you read Psalm uh, 107, you kind of get this picture of, of people being this dry desert place, but then you see the river of God coming through. And it says, alongside the river, a city is built. And we want to build the city of God. We want to build the house of God. We want to build the church of God along the river of God. You know, you don't, you don't build a city. You know, St. Louis is built on a, on a river. And that was important so that it could, you know, water is huge in your life. You know that, right? You got to drink water every day. I think you can last for three days without water. Is that right? Anybody want to confirm that? Three minutes without air. Three Days without water, is it 30 days without food? Is that how it goes? All right. Is this on? Okay. Um, all right. So God's uh, presence is a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, Ephesians 2, 21 to 22 just talks about how we are this, this spiritual house. He's building us together as a place that he dwells. Uh, Psalm 22, 3, that he inhabits the praises of his People And this was a big deal for the disciples, was that the whole deal was being with Jesus. This was God with us. John 1, it says that, uh, that, uh, that God, through Jesus, made his dwelling amongst men. And Jesus, that was his invitation, come be with me. So he called people, hey, come be with me, come follow me, and they followed him. And that was the big deal for, uh, for Mary when she comes to the tomb and finds that uh, the Lord's body is gone. And she screams out, they have, you know, where is my Lord? They have taken my Lord from me. And even though he had died and, you know, she was just wanting to take comfort in his dead corpse. And in being with Jesus was everything. And that's why it was such a startling thing when he says to his disciples in that upper room discourse that we talked about last night, hey, I'm going. Wait a minute. This whole deal is about being with you. He says, hey, don't worry about that. I'm sending you another. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another who's going to be with you. And so that needs to characterize us individuals, but it really needs to characterize us as a community. And for us to be a community of God's presence, where, you know, and this might have been your uh, uh, story in terms of how you came to Christ. You came into 
uh, one of our services, one of our gatherings, and he's like, uh, there was something, it wasn't one particular thing, but there was just a sense that God was amongst us. And that's what we're going for, the sense of God being amongst us. And for us to be a spirit-filled church, it need, we need to be spirit-filled people. So we need the Holy Spirit uh, uh, to be with us, and he so wants to be with us. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up here, by the way, these are just massive, massive topics that in the past that we've done whole series. I mean, we've done whole series just on the fact that God is with us. And I just said that in five minutes. So there's a lot to that, and I hope that you catch the weight of that. Uh, but lastly here that I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is, up, is upon you. So we all, we all know that, that the Holy Spirit is in us. And this is true for every believer. Um, and the Holy Spirit is, is with you. This is true of every believer. Now what isn't always true of every believer is the felt sense of the Holy Spirit being upon you. Um... Jesus, one of the big things is being anointed for ministry. When Jesus came up out of the water in Mark 1.10, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And it says, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And so what happens is before Jesus does any uh, public ministries, you know, most people think he's about 30 years old. He comes and he's baptized. He's, he's validated uh, by the Father. He's identified by the Father. And then he's empowered through the Holy Spirit. And then he goes off and does ministry. And then as you, 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 he goes on through his life. And all the things that he did, all the, all the teaching, all the um, casting out demons, healing the sick, this is all done through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10.38, that's what it says. It says, Jesus went about doing good wherever he went through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same would be just as, just as the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and, and empowered and anointed him for ministry. Uh, in Acts 1, 4 through 5, we read that Jesus, he says to his disciples, Hey, I'm, again, you know, I, I said I was going. It's really happening. In fact, it's going to happen any moment here. Wait here. Wait here for the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit came upon me, you saw it when I was baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended upon me, powered me for ministry. The Holy Spirit is going to descend upon you and empower you for ministry. In fact, that word, it says in Luke uh, 24, 49, that to be clothed with power, to be outfitted with the Holy Spirit. This isn't the still quiet voice. I made the, the point yesterday about how the Holy Spirit inside of us leads us and guides us, and it's a whisper. It's about relationship. This isn't the, what's talked about here in Luke, though, isn't a still quiet voice. This is a clothing of power. And then we read on in, in Pentecost in, in Acts 2 about this was a noisy thing. It wasn't a, a quiet thing. It was a noisy thing. There was, there was activity. There was, there, were, there was action. There was noise. There were sounds. Uh, rooms shaking. God was there. God was showing up and he was clothing them with power, outfitting them with power. In Luke 4, 18, it says Jesus... Uh, Speaks of Isaiah, uh, uh, speaking about himself. He says, "I am, in, I have been anointed to preach good, no, uh, preach good news. The Lord has anointed me. And the Lord wants to anoint us, the Holy Spirit, to come upon you, to anoint you for ministry. All right? Do you, do you have the felt sense of the Holy Spirit being upon you? The Holy, you have the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's with you. He's never leaving." Regardless of whatever you do, 
That's why we can wound the Holy Spirit. Because he's with you. Inside you, never leaving you. So when it says in Ephesians 4.30, you know, we go off and run our mouth, we gossip, we slander, we tear other people down. We just wound the Holy Spirit. Because he's, he's, he can't go. He can't like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm, enough of this talk. I'm out of here. He can't leave. He's with you. He's always with you. But do you have this felt sense that he is upon you? He's anointing you with power. And we, and we are to not to move out in the things that God has, has called us to do. He's called us to do what is impossible. He's called, us to, he's called us to the very edge of a mountain and says, okay, I want you to leap from this mountain. When we hear, when we really hear what God has called us to do, we need to, like the disciples say, that's impossible. That happened once. They said, how can anyone be saved? Well, it's impossible. Can't be done. Man cannot do it. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. We have to come to this place where we feel like we are inadequate for what God has called us to do. And that's where God is pushing us. If you don't feel a sense of inadequacy in the life that God's called you, I just want to uh, suggest to you that you're not exactly where God wants you to be. He wants you to be out on the edge. He wants you to be in this place of complete inadequacy so he can come and fill you with his power and show his might to not only you but to the world around you. There's great power for witness. I was, um, two weeks ago, I started a spontaneous, um, um, or I should say an emergency uh, bathroom remodel. Wasn't on the plans, had a leaky tub, had to get going. So I, so I went in there, and I gently started to do the demo. So I'm, like, pulling out a nail, undoing a screw, trying to get around. I'm just hours of work, and I'm, like, getting nowhere. So I go downstairs, and I get this sawzall that my dad got me for Christmas. And I just started ripping stuff up, man. <laughs> and the, it, it went great. And the difference wasn't that I put more effort into it. The difference was power. I needed power. And you're doing the effort. I find in my witness that I'm doing the effort, that I'm, I'm relating to those who don't know Jesus. I'm praying for neighbors. I'm trying to squeeze the gospel in. I'm trying to do all these things. And there's this sense to where I just feel like, you know, I'm just kind of picking around the surface and, 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 and knocking a little bit off here, knocking a little bit off here. But what I really need is I need power. I need to come in and just... just have this thing happen. And that's what the early uh, believers uh, experienced as they moved out and what God had, had told them to do, as they began to experience their power. And when the threat of persecution came in, so there's this time in Acts 4, 27 through 31, where pre- persecution was coming in and uh, threatening them. And um, this is what they say. This is like reformed, charismatic to the hilt. It says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That is very reformed sovereignty of God prayer. And then it gets charismatic. And now, Lord, look upon 
their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's the deal. They knew that all, this was all God's plan. That's just an awesome place to be, just to rest that regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of the riots that are going on in your life, regardless of the difficulty that's going on in your life, just to understand that it's all part of God's sovereign, predestined plan, that he's in control. There's nothing that is happening that God doesn't know about. He doesn't say oops. He doesn't, you know, he, oh, I didn't think of that one. It's all God's, he knows. And, and some people have a problem with that. He's like, well, why would we pray to a God who just knows what everything's going to happen? Why would we pray to a God who has everything under his control? I mean, let me think about the alternative. Would you rather pray to someone who doesn't have everything under control? Would you rather pray to that God? And I'd like to do something about it, but I don't. No, it's not. He's in control. He's knows what he's doing. And so it's good to come to God and say, God, you're, you're God. You're sovereign. You're on the throne. You're, you're holy. You're in heaven. And you, you know all, have all power. Rest in that. Our hearts need to rest in that. They need to rest in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. And then we need to pray with boldness. But God, you know, stretch out your hand. Do a miracle and signs and wonders. And here's the cool, here's the thing too. They didn't pray, God, this is difficult. Stop making it difficult. They said, in spite of it being difficult, we know that what we really need is we need the power. We need the power that you said to wait for in Acts 1. And then the power that came in Acts 2. And guess what? We need it again in Acts 4. And they needed it again and again and again and again, just like we do today. Just keep on being filled with God's power. It says that in Ephesians 5.18. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know, excuse me, Ephesians 5.18. Did I say Ephesians? I'm having a problem with my words today and last night and every day of my life. But um, So in Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you know Ephesians, it, I mean, it's, he's talking to believers. In fact, he says, you know, Ephesians 1, uh, 17, we read this last night, that you are sealed, you're sealed with the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You've got it. And then he comes back in Ephesians 2 and says that you were dead in your sins and God raised you up and you're seated in heavenly places and you can't get any closer to God than heavenly places. So there's no, I mean, it's, you're there. Ephesians 3, though, says, I'm praying that you may be filled. He goes and talks about unity and not gossiping and some other things. And then he says in Ephesians 5, 18, be filled. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just something that we continue to do. Because why? Because we need power and we need to be anointed for ministry. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is in us. He's in us. He's working in us, guiding us, leading us to truth, convicting us, convincing us. He's with us. Man, God is with us. We're not alone in this. We're two or three are gathered. Man, he's with us. God's presence is with us. What a privilege. What a statement that we can make that God is with us. That's what makes us believers. God is with us. But do you know that the Holy Spirit is upon you? And with power, there's also becomes spiritual gifts. We need his gifts. His power most of the time comes in the form of gifts. Sometimes it's just straight up boldness. Sometimes we just need more courage. And, and that's there. But we also need gifts. And spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. 
It says that in 1 Corinthians 12. You can read about that later, Hebrews 2.4. Um, one of the things that the Bible says, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, that we, need, we shouldn't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. We need to know them. We need to know about them. We need to know how they work. And then we need to know uh, that in 1 Corinthians 14 that, that Paul says to pursue love. Well, how do we pursue love? By earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That we need to be, we need to be this isn't something that we need to be okay with. The Bible isn't saying, hey, be okay with the things of the Spirit. Be okay with spiritual gifts. You know, I, I, I'll hear people say that. Um, yeah, I can... I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with spiritual gifts. I'm all right with that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible, Paul doesn't say, hey, and be okay with spiritual gifts. He says, earnestly desire them. It means it's something that we're pressing into. We're pressing into, as a community, we're pressing into individually. And there are, ma- there are two major groups, which, I th- and then there's, which has produced a third group when it comes to gifts. One are continuationists, which uh, we would say we're continuationists, that, 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 that these gifts continue. There are others uh, that are sensationists that say that the gifts have discontinued. And I think there's a third group that says, I don't really know. Um, and maybe that's where you're at. Um, but just to say that the Bible is very clear on what it says. And I think what gets confusing for us a lot is our experience. One thing that messes us up is our experience. And we're, you know, because I'll just be honest with you. I, I honestly believe, I, I believe God can raise the dead. I've never seen it happen. But I believe that it can happen. I, I pray for people all the time. And more times than not, they don't get better. But I believe God can heal. And so it can become difficult for us because we can, rel- we, can le- we can rely so much on our experience that it shapes what we really believe and have faith for, more so when what the scripture says. So where sensationist views come up, a lot of times it's because we look at our experience and we say, well, I've never seen anyone raised from the dead. So I don't believe that can happen. I've never seen someone healed before, so I don't believe that can happen. But we, we believe it can happen. There's nothing in the Bible is our authority. And what that means is that we, that we rely on it. it. It's meant to shape how we live and how we think more than anything else. The Bible is so clear. Hey, this is something to pursue. And so we want to pursue these things. We want to pursue spiritual gifts. Not just the ones that we know seem to work, like prophecy. I've prophesied several times, and it's been God. It's been proven to be God. I've had people prophesy to me about my future, and it's proven to be God. But I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't just want to stick with that one. I want to pursue all of the gifts. I want to pursue tongues. So grateful for Sam's honesty. You know, hey, I don't want that one. Our healing. Are you pers- how many of us are pursuing the, the gift of healing? We need to pursue, we need to earnestly pursue these things. And they are grace to us. And this is, this is another thing we get, stu- we get stuck on. They're not marriage ba- badges. One of the, um, the key proponents of, of the sensationist movement, if you could say that, is a guy named John MacArthur, which I think is a great guy. I, there's a lot I've learned from him. 
Uh, I think I have a study Bible at home. We have a study Bible at home that was authored by John MacArthur. It's not the Bible, but, you know, the commentary part. And, uh, and uh, he's got, man, he's so, he's, man, he's got some great things to say. But he's, he's wrong on this. He, he's he's a, a sensationist, and he was asked recently, hey, are you still a sensationist? Because like I said, uh, I think last night, that, you know, more and more, the, it's leaning toward people um, kind of that that belief system is the cessationist belief system is is on the way out or it's 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 decreasing and they asked her hey are you and he said no absolutely he said no I, I still I still believe that in the cessationist view and he's written a book recently called strange fire which I've not read but anyway one of the things that he said he says you know if god wanted if god wanted us to have spiritual spiritual gifts why didn't he give them to people with good theology? And when I read that, I was like, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. Why didn't God do that? And then a few seconds later, I thought, well, wait a minute. No, that's not right. These aren't merit badges to earn. This is God's grace. Yeah, but lots of people with bad theology work in gifts why why does that happen because it's grace why are you a christian why do you why can you think well why do you have good theology well that's god's grace to you too all that we have is god's grace to us it says over and over again and i don't have time to go to all the places but whether whether it's corinthians or romans or wherever you talk about gifts it always ends with and god Basically, paraphrase, and God apportions the gift basically how he sees fit. It's grace to all of our life is grace to us. And this earning thing really trips us up with gifts. It trips us up when we see other people operating into them. We think, well, they shouldn't have that gift. No, they shouldn't. You're right. <laughs> that part's right. But it doesn't matter. It's God's grace. And you think to yourself, I don't deserve to have a gift. I'm not good enough. I need to do better. I need to work hard. I need to strive. I need to get my theology all. I don't deserve gifts. And you're right, you don't. But it's a, this is so amazing about the grace of God. It's that he just pours out grace upon grace upon grace. And again, I, I started this by saying, hey, we believe in the supernatural. Let's us be natural. Let God be super. And that applies to gifts. What that means is it all points to God. So when you see someone weird and crazy operating in God's gift, what you should think is, man, God's so gracious. <laughs> He's just so good. And then when he gives you a gift, man, God's so gracious. And just learn to say thank you. Learn to say thank you, God, for this gift. Can I have another Yes, you can. He has said it before us to earnestly desire these things. There is a mission that God's called us to, to reach not only just this city, this region, this nation, the world. We're on the same track as the early believers. It's, it's all of it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And it's a big thing. We're going to need to do signs and wonders. We're going to need to cast out demons. We're going to need to see amazing things happen. We're going to need lots of boldness. We're going to need lots of power. 
we're going to need to be able to discern the hearts of men. There's, there, there, there are keys to the heart of every person. And God has graced his church with power in his gifting that's not within us, but it's without us. And he wants to send the Holy Spirit to, to be upon us for us to finish this. And so if you find yourself today like, man, I've just, I went in on God's, what God has for me. I want to note, I want to follow him more. I want, I want to fight sin. I want character. I want guidance. Man, you need the Holy Spirit today. If you're like, I, don't, I, want, I want this felt sense of his present, presence being with me. I know he's with me, but I, I want to feel it. You need to, to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're not outfitted, like if you're not like you wake up in the morning, you pull out an outfit from your closet or from your drawers or whatever, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You need to be outfitted with the Holy Spirit. You need to have the felt sense that the Holy Spirit is a, upon you to empower you and to anoint you to minister, to give you boldness, to give you spiritual gifts, to give you that grace thing. Sometimes you're, you're with a friend or with in, a, in a situation and you don't know even what gift to use. God will, give it to, God will God say, hey, use this one. Okay. Use discernment. Use boldness. Use prayer. Use, use these gifts. They're, they're, they're available to us today. And they're mighty and they're wonderful and they all point to Jesus. They all point to how amazing he is. Amen?